adeabus cum fiducia ad tronicatie. Let us come with confidence to the throne of grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In 1944, in a world darkened and racked by the horrors of war, the Venerable Pope Pius XII fixed this feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary on the octave day of her glorious Assumption. There is in the choice of this day for the Immaculate Heart of Mary, an extraordinarily profound theological motive. The secret is given us, I think, in the intro to this Mass, which is taken from the Epistle to the Hebrews. But this intro, it is progressively illumined by the Epistle and the Gospel of this Mass. We have always to ask ourselves the question when we sing the intro of the Mass or listen to it being sung, who is the speaker here? And so we read, let us come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and may find grace for a timely help. Consoling words, when one considers that they were chosen in 1944, and yet words of an astonishing actuality today. So, who then is the speaker in this introit, if not the Mother of God herself? It is Mary who, in the Epistle, says to us, I am the Mother of fair love, and of fear, and of knowledge, and of holy hope. In me is all grace of the way and of the truth. In me is all hope of life and virtue. Mary speaks to us in the introit, and she invites us, indeed, she calls us after her to the throne of grace, that is, to the cross of the blessed fruit of her womb, Jesus, the Lord Christ, as St. Benedict calls him, our true King. The intro, it must be related to the Gospel. There stood by the cross of Jesus, the throne of grace. His mother and his mother's sister, Mary of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Our Lady draws us to the cross as to the throne of grace. 
She is there with Mary Magdalene and the other holy women. She is there with John, the beloved disciple. They constitute a nucleus of the church, the contemplative church, because they gaze on the face of the one who was pierced. And standing there, they present their open hearts like so many chalices to receive from the open side of the crucified torrents of new life. Our Lady, Mediatrix of all graces, is charged with distributing to the Church all that she received in that hour from the open side of her son, and St. John, representing there all the priests of the Church, is charged with dispensing sacramentally all that was given and all that continues to flow sacramentally from the open side of the crucified Jesus. There is another way in which we can understand the intro to this Mass, and it is when we consider Mary herself as the throne of grace. There is a long tradition in the Church by which Mary is portrayed as the seat of wisdom, as the throne of the child Christ, the King. To draw near to Mary is to draw near to her Son, the blessed fruit of her womb. And so this vast chorus of saints of all ages and sinners cry out to us, this great cloud of witnesses, and what do they say? Let us come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and may find grace for a timely help. This is the message of saints and sinners through the ages, because Mary is at once Regina Santorum and Refugium Peccatorum, Queen of Saints and Refuge of Sinners. Our Lady herself sings the verse in the introit, My heart, understand here, my immaculate heart, hath uttered a good word. I speak my works to the King. Indeed, she uttered a good word when she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. And when she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. And when she said, Do whatsoever he tells you. There is more to this Mass of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. There is the conclusion of the Gospel. When Jesus therefore had seen his mother and the disciples standing, whom he loved, 
he saith to his mother only, Behold thy son. After that, he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. Thereby, entrusting Mary to the heart of John, and John to the maternal heart of Mary. And from that hour, the disciple took her. The Gospel uses this wonderful and mysterious little expression. Accepit eam discipulus in sua. He took her into all that was his, into all that was his own. He took Mary into his heart of hearts, hiding nothing from her keeping from her no secrets. He took Mary into the most intimate part of himself. This reception of Mary in the heart of John, in Sua, what a mystery and what a grace. And the reception of John into the heart of Mary, this is for us monks an indispensable part of the monastic journey. In our monastery we symbolize this or rather express it by taking each one of us the sweet and blessed name of Mary as part of our religious name. This little token, if you will, is our way of saying that we take Mary into our heart of hearts and that we ask to be taken into hers. The offertory antiphon allows Mary to sing as the host is laid on the corporal, as a drop of water is mixed with the wine in the chalice, it is the pure, crystalline voice of the Mother of God that sings, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour, because he that is mighty hath done great things to me, and holy is his name. And holy is his name. With these words, the Mother of God prepares us to sing Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. Et Sanctum Nomen Eius sings the Mother of God. And then the choirs of angels and the entire church respond singing Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. The secret of the Mass contains today an unintended but marvelous allusion to the Lamb who appeared at Knock. For in the secret of this Mass, we pray, we who offer to thy majesty the Lamb without spot. Note that when Our Lady appeared with St. Joseph, St. John, the immolated Lamb, and the ranks of angels, about the altar. It was 1879. It was long before 
the institution by Venerable Pope Pius XII of this feast in 1944. And yet we can admire here the liturgical providence of God. For when Our Lady appeared with the Lamb in 1879, she chose to do so on August 21st. And we, as if on cue, the following day, pray, we who offer to thy majesty the lamb without spot, there you have it, knock, beseech thee, O Lord, that our hearts may be kindled by the divine fire, which in an ineffable manner inflamed the heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And then, in the communion, as is so often the case in the very ancient and traditional masses of Lent and Paschal time, the communion antiphon is taken from the Gospel of the day. We are given a fragment of the Gospel, so that as we approach the Holy Mysteries, we may receive our Lord Jesus Christ in some way under the species of the Gospel of the day. That is to say, the communion to the body and blood of Christ gives us what the Gospel announces. The mind of the Church has always been that the communion antiphon should be repeated as the faithful approach to receive the body of Christ so that they might hear again that essential word of the gospel and, oh wonder, discover it actualized for them at the moment of receiving Christ. The Christ who comes to us today in the Holy Mystery says to each one, Behold thy mother. How comforting to receive the body of Christ and with his body these words, Behold thy mother. What response can we possibly make if not that of the beloved disciple? And from that hour he took her into all that was his own. So may we do. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.